going to start in Durham, where school superintendent Pascal Mubenga has resigned amidst the ongoing dispute over salaries for teachers and staff. WRAL reports Deputy Superintendent Nicholas King will take over as interim superintendent for now. Mubenga is the second high-ranking official in Durham schools to step down over the issue, which has caused massive walkouts and even school closures in the last few weeks. New information released last night by the school board shows the issue actually began last February when the district's finance officer became aware that promised pay raises could cost $10 million more than the district had budgeted, but that was never communicated to the school board. Superintendent Mubenga didn't even become aware of the problem until November, at which point he immediately started taking action, but it was too late then to fix the issue, and even then the school board didn't get notified until mid-January. The school board is set to meet again tonight at 5.30. Teachers and staff want the district to figure out a way to keep the promised raises, but that may require budget cuts elsewhere. Speaking of schools, it's still not entirely back to normal at Sewell Elementary School in Chapel Hill as recovery continues from a small fire in the Lawler B building that displaced a handful of classes last month. Chapel Hill Carborough District officials sent a message to families yesterday saying the work is nearly complete, direct quote there, and thanking everyone for their patience. Over to Carborough now, where the town council was feeling celebratory at their Tuesday meeting about the prospect of changing the name of Carr Street to honor longtime civil rights advocate Braxton Fushi. But the mood got more contentious during the meeting when residents on the street showed up and forced to object, not so much to the name change, but rather to the fact that they hadn't been included in the discussion or even notified about it until it was almost a done deal. Council did ultimately vote to approve the change, but council member Danny Nowell acknowledged that the move does does put a burden on those residents. The hours of effort that the residents will have to go through here, you know, probably was smaller mentioned than the excitement around the overall prospect, but it was not, it wasn't undiscussed. Damon did bring this up and this is something that we did, you know, and when we considered other streets, Broad and Alabama, we considered also other residents. This burden would fall somewhere and it is a burden that is not a joy to ask of homeowners anywhere. It's a joy to, I think, have the opportunity to do better in our public remembrance. Um, I think one reason Carr Street is so fitting, in addition to the obvious replacement of the name, is, you know, it's its prominence and location in our downtown. I think this is a good place for Braxton Fushi to be remembered. Um, I think it is a street that, as we heard, many longtime Carborough residents who have played a big role in our town's identity have called home for a long time. It's a consequential Carborough Street. And so I... I don't want to sit up here and sound fatuous and mealy-mouthed. I, and I understand some displeasure from some folks who are bearing a burden that we are going to ask you to bear. And I am very appreciative of you for doing it and your time. And standing now speaking there, the name change will officially take effect on March 27th. Council members did vote earlier to provide financial assistance to residents to cover any costs associated with changing their addresses. Finally, as we get closer to primary election day, endorsements are beginning to come out from various organizations for the contested local races. Big endorsements yesterday from Indy Week. In Orange County, the Indy endorsed Phyllis Porty Ascot for re-election as county commissioner and Carrie Doyle, Jennifer Moore, and Wendy Padilla for Orange County School Board. That school board race is officially nonpartisan, but there's a sort of partisan split emerging between two local advocacy groups. Doyle, Moore, and Padilla are also being endorsed by an organization called 
communities supporting Orange County schools, while a rival organization called Friends of Orange County Schools is supporting Bonnie Hauser, Michael Johnson, and Cindy Schreiner. Indy Week reports one of the biggest divides is over the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, controversial for its anti-LGBTQ provisions. Supporters of Doyle, Moore, and Padilla want the district to take a stand against that bill, while supporters of Hauser, Johnson, and Schreiner think the district needs to enforce it. The current school board, including Hauser, Doyle, and Moore, enacted a policy technically enforcing the law, but also strengthening protections for students in potentially abusive situations. Visit our website, chapelboro.com, for more local news, including a rundown of upcoming events around the community this weekend and David Glenn's latest column, taking on the critics of Taylor Swift around this Sunday's Super Bowl. 6.15, your time. Sports Now brought to you by All About Insurance. Going to begin with Tar Heel football, which officially introduced six new transfers yesterday at the Keenan Football Center. They joined 21 early enrollees out of high school to give head coach Mac Brown a lot of new weapons heading into spring practice. GM Pat Suttis heads up UNC's recruiting efforts, both in high school and in the transfer portal. He's, here's what he had to say yesterday about his recruiting philosophy. We still want to be recruiting high school kids, right? Um, there's different philosophies out there with the portal, um, just like you see in the NFL. Some teams go heavy for agency in the NFL, trying to go all in to win a Super Bowl and then take a step back the next couple of years. I still think in order to sustain success, you still have to build it through uh, high school recruiting, and that won't change here. But uh, the portal has been good, good for us to add pieces, add depth, um, add experience to come in, and we kind of targeted uh, these uh, players and positions of, of areas that we needed um, to bring in guys with experience. Um, and like Coach said, we'll, we'll be looking uh, post-spring kind of where, what we need. The good thing is, though, having those 21 guys come in mid-year, we're going to get a great look at those guys to really say, hey, we, we thought we needed, you know, let's just say, for example, a linebacker. But those young guys coming in, I mean, we feel really good about them. So that's that's the benefit, again, of high school recruiting and uh, getting guys to come in early and it gives you 21 extra guys to come in which never really happened in the past you might have eight to ten guys 21 is very high and we're excited about that. That's Pat Sutta speaking there. Excitement's also building for Tar Heel lacrosse season as both the men and women get their seasons underway this Saturday. On the women's side, UNC landed four players on inside lacrosse's preseason All-America list. Fifth-year defender Emily Knowles made the first team, while Riley Casey, Gabby Hall, and Caitlin Wurzberger all got honorable mention. Third-ranked Tar Heels open their season Saturday at James Madison. The men also hit the road Saturday to face Mercer. Also this weekend, the top-ranked UNC women's tennis team will be in Seattle for the ITA National Team Indoor Championship, going for what would be its fifth in ITA indoor title in a row. Three of those titles have featured senior Fiona Crawley, who may be the most decorated active player right now in all of women's college tennis. With more on Fiona Crawley, here's 97.9 on the Hills, Michael Coe. Fiona Crawley's accomplishments in her Carolina career could fill a whole team's trophy case. In her three going on four seasons in Chapel Hill, Crawley and the Tar Heels have won an ACC championship, three ITA Indoor National Championships, and an NCAA Team Championship. That doesn't include several individual titles for Crawley, such as the NCAA Doubles Crown last summer. So when she had the chance to receive an $81,000 payday for qualifying for the U.S. Open main draw and prematurely end her college career, no one could have blamed her if she'd taken the money and run. The NCAA forbids college athletes from receiving prize money of more than $10,000, 
so Crawley would have effectively forfeited her senior season and started her pro career early by taking the money. Instead, she declined and came back. It was the most extraordinary experience and I had so much fun, but the thought of not going back to college didn't cross my mind. Why was Crawley so dead set on coming back to Chapel Hill? Her head coach, Brian Kalbus, explains. She loves Carolina. She loves this team. She loves every every practice. Um, she, um, I think if she if it was a grind or she didn't, you know, enjoy being with her teammates and and her, her coaching staff, I think I think it would be something where she'd probably looking for the next thing. Crawley got a preview of the next thing when she played in professional tournaments over the summer, including the U.S. Open. Because of her NCAA doubles win with Carson Tangillig, the pair automatically qualified for the main draw at the Open. What Crawley didn't anticipate was a Cinderella run through singles qualifying to reach that main draw as well. Combined with playing in other smaller tournaments that summer, Crawley barely had time to rest before returning to Chapel Hill. She said that whirlwind schedule gave her a greater appreciation for playing at Carolina. This past summer when I was traveling on the road by myself, booking my own flights, booking my own hotels, figuring out Ubers, eating dinner by myself, um, I really, it woke me up and gave me another level of just gratitude for everything that the coaches and the staff and the trainers and the team, um, we all really are a family and support each other. And so that motivates me so much every day to come out and give my best. Calbus, who brought Crawley to Carolina from San Antonio as the top-ranked recruit in the class of 2020, credited her unselfishness and willingness to constantly improve as one of her most impressive traits, on or off the tennis court. According to both him and Crawley, giving up one last year at Carolina was simply not an option. You know, even if she would have won the US Open and won millions of dollars, you know, to be able to take, she said she was going to come back and because, you know, you only get one opportunity to spend four years in, 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 in college. And it's truly been, as you say, it's supposed to be the best four years of your life. And for Yona, it's truly been the best four years of her life. Outside of tennis, Crawley told 97.9 The Hill she's working on her memoir as part of her coursework at UNC. The English and comparative literature major also said, once tennis is in the rearview mirror, she'd like to pursue a career in education. But thinking about the future, and specifically life after tennis, is something Crawley says scares her. She's been playing tennis since she was a toddler, taking lessons in Japan while her father was stationed at an airbase in Okinawa, and then being dubbed a prodigy in San Antonio when she was just 10 years old. Now, she's a national champion, US Open qualifier, and former collegiate number one. In short, tennis has dominated Crawley's life. In return, she has dominated tennis. And while teaching would certainly give her fulfillment, Crawley said nothing will quite match what tennis has given her. I hope that I can find something one day that makes me feel the way that tennis does. Um, I don't think anything ever will, honestly. The way that I'm passionate about this sport and the way that it's shaped me into who I am today, I'll forever be grateful and honestly forever be indebted. I don't think I could ever repay um, what this sport has given me, but I hope that I can pass it forward. Perhaps the best way to pass it forward is for Crawley and the Tar Heels to just keep on winning, starting with the ITA National Championship this weekend. For 97.9 The Hill, 
I'm Michael Coe. UNC takes on Southern Cal in the first round on Saturday. Meanwhile, two Carolina teams are in action today. The Tar Heel men's golf team is in Hawaii today for three for day one of a three-day tournament. And the UNC men's tennis team hosts Elon at four in the Tuning Tennis Center. Down the road in Raleigh, the Carolina Hurricanes are also back in action tonight, hosting the Avalanche at seven. Finally, some new financial data are in for UNC, showing the athletics department both spent and took in a little more than $139 million in the last school year, making a little over $250,000 in profit, though that is down from $2.3 million in profit the department made the year before. Visit our website, chapelboro.com, later this week for more numbers from UNC's annual financial report.